guys, you're listening to the Fans of Wrestling Show here on the FOW Radio Network. I am Patrick with Danny Danger, Mika Villas. We are back together again after a two, three week hiatus. I don't remember. Uh, it's been a while though. My friends, I have missed you. How are you guys doing this evening? I missed you. I missed you guys too, man. Doing well. It's uh, it's been a few weeks. We've you know a lot a lot of stuff has been going on. We got to kind of catch. We got to play catch up on. But uh, it's great to be. Great to be back here with you guys, getting ready to talk some wrestling. Catch up. Am I getting paid in hot dogs and handshakes again? All right, let's do it. Let's talk wrestling. Only an exposure. We don't. We don't have a hot dog budget. Ah, uh, damn. And it's cold and flu season, so you may not want a handshake. True. 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 Yeah, we're we're doing it for your benefit by paying you only an exposure. This is why I know you guys truly care about me, not getting me sick and not paying me. That's it. And not giving you overly caloric uh, animal byproducts. And not offer me chicken. But okay, I digress. Let's talk wrestling. Let's talk wrestling. And, well, talking about deals and handshakes, WWE's Super Showdown happened uh, uh, in the last week or so. I can't remember the exact date, but that's okay. It is irrelevant. It has come and gone, which is the most important thing. So here are your results, which everybody already knows, but we'll go ahead and run them anyways. The Usos defeat The Revival, Seth Rollins, Defeats Baron Corbin for the to retain the WWE Universal Championship. Finn Balor defeats Andrade to retain the Intercontinental Championship. The best in the world, Shane McMahon defeats Roman Reigns. Right, the best in the world. Lars Sullivan defeats the Lucha House Party by disqualification in a three-on-one handicap match. Randy Orton defeats Triple H. Braun Strowman defeats Bobby Lashley. Kofi Kingston defeats Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Championship. Mansoor wins the 51-man Battle Royal because they had to outdo themselves. They could just have 50 men. It was 51. And The Undertaker defeats Goldberg. Yes, The Undertaker defeats Goldberg. I had to say that twice just because even now, I still don't believe it. I mean, it's it's 2019. I didn't believe they were going to actually do this match. And from it seems pretty apparent that they should not have done that match. Uh, Correct. They, uh, I mean, I don't know if there's one guy to blame over the other as far as some of those things, but seemed like either guy was really in in fighting shape in the best condition they needed to be in. So to be honest, like this card really didn't do a whole lot for me. The shows leading up to it were very lackluster. They tried to do what they could to get hot to get, you know, to push the show as being something big. Uh, but it seemed to be just a lot of talk segments and a whole lot of video packages. That's one of the things I noticed was Way more video packages in the last several weeks 
is you know guys were doing video packages in the middle of their promos um yeah it's so it's just a whole lot of video packages a whole lot of talking and the the key marquee matches really weren't for the american audience they were for the saudi audience and that's the thing the show was for the saudis and yeah they were hyped and they were all about it you know like you could see the people were going nuts they loved the show they were having a great time um but the show really wasn't for us you know as far as the matchups and stuff they tried to do what they could to to tell us hey you know this could be as good if not better than wrestlemania like but then they're having you know wrestlemania matches from 15 years ago or maybe you know matches that would have been better 15 years ago or or just like you know i mean some of these matches essentially we had you know we've had on smackdown or, or raw kind of regular type matches you know rollins versus baron corbin or finn bauer versus andrade again you know ooh, he's gonna come out as the demon this time so that makes it different like so i wasn't really hyped about this card and the battle royal like golly that was way too many guys in one ring at one time I mean, if you're going to do that many guys in the Battle Royal, just go ahead and do the three rings and bring us back World War Three. Okay, that's what the people want. People want World War Three. 60 men, three rings, last guy standing in each ring, then moves to the center, then moves to you know one ring, and then they throw, try to throw each other out. That's what everybody wants, okay? We want World War Three back, not Super Showdown. We don't want Goldberg versus The Undertaker in 2019 when they're both over their 50s and 10 years past their prime you know, nearly killing each other, like, and in, not in the good way, like, there's nearly killing each other in a good way, and this was nearly killing each other, like, in a dangerous, scary, cringy kind of way. They can't have World War Three because you can't go into Saudi Arabia talking about, we're going to have World War Three here. It just kind of, you know, a public relations nightmare, just saying. Well, I mean, you want to talk about public relations nightmare, and you're going to Saudi Arabia in the first place. Okay, like that's the public relations nightmare. Notice in all the lead up to it for the last like three or four weeks leading up to the show, they never once said the term the kingdom of Saudi Arabia or in Saudi Arabia. They just kept calling it Super Showdown and they would briefly mention our return to Jeddah or Mm -hmm. live from Jeddah. But they never but they never said the name of the country of Saudi Arabia. They were trying their best to make people forget the stuff, you know, about why they shouldn't be having their company let's be honest they achieved that goal if that was a definite goal of theirs which i believe you're correct that it was they achieved their goal you said you didn't you're not sure which one man uh, was responsible more than the other for the undertaker and goldberg match i could tell you who that man is wholeheartedly and believe that it's Vince McMahon's fault that's whose fault that is that we saw that match here in 2019 when these two older gentlemen legends one of them Lucky the other should not have been in a ring trying to compete on the level that they did. Perhaps a checkers match or a badminton match was more in order for the two of them. Shuffleboard. 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 Yeah. Yes. They do at the uh, senior center. I mean, bingo is also good for people their age. Um, but a wrestling match was not had. We almost witnessed uh Pardon me, live executions, because uh, that's what it looked like. There was about to be death. Well, Saudi Arabia is known for those, though. Exactly. So the Saudis, again, got what they paid for. I'm pretty sure they wanted to see some death. And the dead man came and Goldberg, these two tried to deliver 
each other to kingdom come. I mean, I don't know where the virgins were on standby or what, but you know, it was going to happen. Um, yeah, this, this, this pay-per-view was not interesting at all. I said I wasn't going to watch it. I did. I went back and I watched it. I did not watch it live on that Friday. I had better stuff to do. I worked. I didn't care enough. Actually, I slept. I didn't care enough to wake up and just try to watch this thing just because I knew it was going to be um, not the best pay-per-view that the WWE put on. Nothing was a surprise except for the love child of um, Ali and Seth Rollins, Mansoor. Um, I'm not sure when they created this clone, if it was the last time they were there in Jeddah, but him winning the Battle Royal, I, I was genuinely confused because when I looked, I wasn't paying attention and I legit thought it was Ali. Then I legit thought it was Rollins. I was confused and I had to go back and watch again and go, oh, that's neither of those guys. That's amazing. This is a hometown crowd, uh, home country crowd. So of course you put one of their guys in there, give them the win. Everybody goes home happy there in Saudi Arabia, except for the <clears throat> legitimate WWE superstars who um, had to do that match and not, you know, go over at all just to kind of be there to support this um, diplomatic uh, effort on the WWE's part. Um, the only good thing I can say about Super Showdown is that it's over. Uh, they'll probably do some other. Saudi Arabia uh, retreat. I did like that Renee Young was still there. I, I was concerned and wondering with the exit of her husband, John Moxley, as you guys know him now, um, or former Dean Ambrose, uh, public exit from the company, how that would go over with Renee being there, um, just based on a lot of the laws pertaining to the women there in Saudi Arabia. Um, needing to be with their husbands or what have you. But Renee was there. She did her job, um, made it home. And that's, that's all I care about. So, yeah, I mean, I think that I guess W. Lee was smart about the booking with the 51 men battle Royal, giving the hometown guy, the W. Well, he's an NXT talent and he's been NXT for a while he just hasn't done a whole lot on television. I mean, as of late, I guess they kind of put him in a couple matches more recently um, to, you know, to hype. But yeah, yet again, you give the you give the hometown guy his his big thing. Uh, I don't know if he's from Saudi Arabia or if his family is like originally and he was born in the States. So he is. OK, so, yeah, you definitely give him and mostly for the crowd as a feel good thing, you know, because I mean, it's it's an inconsequential battle royal except for a moment after who wins. It's not like it's going to propel him to any championship opportunities or more TV time necessarily. Uh, but it, you know, it, it made for a good moment for the live crowd, which really that's what the show was for. It was, it was a live experience for the crowd and they just tried to get as many of, of us as they could to watch it. Um, you know, and make us feel that it was going to be something big. I didn't expect any of the title matches uh, to be different, I expected no titles to change hands. Uh, what do you guys think, though, about Shane McMahon defeating Roman Reigns? Um, obviously, not a one-off. Uh, apparently, this may be looking to be a long-term program between Shane O'Mac, the best in the world, and the big dog. 
Well, it's yeah, it's it seems that it's a longer term program. You know, they they've since then they've announced that for Stomping Ground, um, which is coming up a lot sooner than I thought it was. The the way WWE doesn't give the dates of when their shows are always kind of messes me up. They just say two weeks from Saturday, one week from Sunday. Like, and so in my head, I don't really know because I don't always watch the shows live. Um, so it kind of throws me off. But it's a, so it's at Stamping Ground. It's going to be uh, Shane versus uh, or Roman versus Drew McIntyre, I guess. So it does seem to be a longer program um, with Shane. These 20-minute, every single show, every single week things with Shane are, are just probably boring me to tears. Um, that's, the to me, the biggest downside of the wild card is that so many guys are getting lost in the shuffle because now you're seeing the same guys on both Raw and SmackDown. Um, so, you know, you have a lot of stellar, amazing in-ring talent with nothing to do, or they're in a in a... They're chasing truth. That's what they're they're chasing our truth in like mass. Yeah. And that's how, you know, amazingly talented guys. And, you know, I mean, heck, a lot of the women aren't getting their, you know, their time on television either. Um, You know, when was the last time we saw the Kabuki Warriors wrestle on TV? You know, their SmackDown talent page brought them in. You know, the only time we've seen the Iconics defend the championships have been in against local talent, you know? They, they don't even necessarily get on TV every single week either. Or if they do, it's sitting at ringside while Carmella and Mandy Rose go and have a, a two-minute match. Um, so that's, you know, the the downside of the wildcard rule. And then, you know, it's, yet again, Shane McMahon dominating so much television time all across the board. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm... Do you not the recognize Carla? This no. is the man. Yeah, yeah, no, This is the yeah. power trip. This is the corporation. Yeah. Ratings are down. Um, you want to keep big man's go on TV. Yeah, big man's go on TV. That's the saving grace. We, we, because I am a big man honorary. Take the ball and we run with it, and we will do promos throughout the entire show to make you hate us and clearly shane is doing his job you hate shane but the, but the problem is is that in 2019 when you're competing for people's every second of their attention people's attention spans have dropped so severely and there are so you know i have 500 channels on my television i have my laptop, I have my tablet, I have my cell phone and my television all going on at the same exact time. Okay. WWE is not the only game in town. There's other streaming services, professional wrestling. If I'm not liking what's going on, this kind of thing, like it may work for the live crowd because then they want to see somebody come out and kick your butt. But on TV, if I get bored, I change the channel. I fast forward. I leave the room. I watch something else. It works to their disadvantage to do something like this because yeah, I'll fast forward through those segments. I get bored and I just kind of skim through them, fast forwarding and going. Then once somebody starts going to fight, then maybe I'll press play. Or usually it's just, you know, scuffle, scuffle, scuffle. Somebody hits a quick finish and then, you know, the segment goes on for another couple minutes. So, yeah, I, I fast forward through those segments. So it's not working to their advantage um, in the way that it once did. You're one, maybe two out of uh, 20 who don't watch it live because in this age of social media, everybody wants to get their opinions out 
or live tweet it or Facebook live it or Instagram story what they think of a show and talk about it in that instant moment, that moment as it happens or right after it happens. So while you're able to fast forward through, people like me have to suffer the 20 plus odd minutes that we have these long promos. And I literally had to go and think like, well, I've seen this before. Shane is just there without a woman. That's it. Put uh, his wife, if she was a character, we would have a McMahon era again and we'd be going from there. So while it's, it's sucky that it takes away from other talent, uh, I really believe that Vince thinks that this is a winning formula. It has worked for him in the past because the buildup is supposed to be to see Shane finally get his comeuppance and who does it and who is, you know, that next big person to break out as they fight and rebel against the authority. That's Vince's and, and people, that's what he thinks people want to see. That's what they think he thinks people want to relate to. And until somebody can prove him otherwise, that's what we're going to see on our televisions on Mondays and Tuesdays, respectively. Triple H took the L there in Saudi Arabia. Not, not, what, I, not what I expected to see. Uh, but he did lose to Randy Orton. It's Triple H now uh, wants to, maybe he wants to get a reputation that he'll put people over because you know we, we see the Sting match, the Batista match, and and we see him putting himself over in some spots. But you know, I, I don't think that Triple H could be one to be accused. He always put himself over, uh, but I think people can easily go to that because of his role in WWE and because who he is and who he's married to. He had a history of doing that in his younger days when he had more political pull of burying a lot of guys and all this and trying not to let anybody be a bigger star than him. I think it's been a lot of years since then, and he's definitely done more to help elevate other guys. Um, and I guess this time, you know, uh, it, it'll happen. He'll put guys, you know, I mean, he's he himself isn't a full-time wrestler, so if he's going to come out, I guess it's essentially to put somebody put somebody who is still competing over, which I guess he did with Orton as Orton is still, you know, uh, a fully active member of the roster. Uh, so I don't know, but I do, you know, I mean, I, th I still think they're going to treat triple H wrestling as a very rare thing. I don't think he's going to start wrestling at every single pay-per-view. It'll just kind of be at special events. And yeah, maybe to, to put over somebody or to, I mean, with, with him and Orton, this was supposed to be kind of like, a final, final chapter between, you know, in their storied rivalry kind of thing. And yet again, we saw end of an era, you know, and then we both Triple H and, and Undertaker wrestled uh, on this show in 2019. So it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I do think he's, he's just going to kind of be there some to help try to hype an event with his status and, and hopefully make the, the guy who's still there, um, look good and, and further the whole product. Giving them the rub, giving the young guys the rub. Randy's still an active competitor. Um, Triple H is a creator, of course. Randy is one of those early creations of um, the Frankenstein monster who was Triple H back with the evolution days, back when he ran with a click and not with a whole NXT. Um, Randy was under his wing, so now that Randy's gone and made himself 
uh, famous, of course, Hunter's going to put him over. You don't kill what you create. You celebrate it. And what better way to celebrate, you know, by taking a loss? I, I don't know how that's supposed to work, but apparently Hunter likes it. And if Hunter likes it, damn it, we love it. Let's talk about loving something. Uh, and, well, I think I would have loved this maybe 10 years ago. Uh, and the main event, Undertaker, Goldberg. I think most people have seen the match, if not at least the clips on YouTube. Even my brother, who used to watch it back in the Attitude Era, who doesn't watch anymore, heard about this match, went and found it on YouTube and watched the uh, YouTube version, and even he cringed at it. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't get hurt any more than they they were. You know, I hear it was concussions and both guys, uh, you know, you know, you know, fell as soon as they got backstage, which at this point seems to be part of Undertaker's gimmick. Uh, man, it's it it was not pretty, and at points ugly to watch. So I will say this about this match. Um, I hope WWE in the future when they look to book matches like this um, and they look to, uh, you know, please the Saudi Arabia Prince. Uh, I, I hope that they can at least think about not only the safety of the wrestlers, but also the quality of the product they're presenting. Even if it's just a one-off, uh, it's going to be out there and people are going to talk about it. And, you know, there's a reason why they really retires a lot of people early, you know, at a certain point. And, man, it, it was just not the best uh, thing to see. And, uh, I, I, man, at this point, I was never one of those who wanted to see The Undertaker retire. But this match kind of made me feel like he, he should. Yeah, he doesn't need to any any kind of anything else like this is a only going to possibly get him hurt to where he's in a wheelchair, or you know, it's it's only going to tarnish the strong legacy he's built. Uh, you know, I mean, to see to see you know the guy who's supposedly the dead man just looks so terribly, just kills any kind of mystique or any kind of aura he once had, and it's going to be hard to, you know, he does a couple of these, it's really going to be hard for people to forget about them. Um, you know, and think to his good days, or his, you know, when he was in his prime, etc. They're always going to be remembering these really bad, you know, matches where he was just way past his prime, but still trying to to compete like he was, you know, 30 years old again. That was uh, the Super Showdown uh, in Saudi Arabia. But now, uh, let's bring it back to NXT and the TakeOver. And this was NXT TakeOver 25. Can you guys believe it's been 25 TakeOvers? They stacked them on quick. I mean, it's been, you know, five years of of NXT and the or, you know, over five years in the current incarnation. Uh, and, I mean, they've produced some 
amazing, amazing matches reignited uh, passion professional wrestling and a lot of fans that had kind of given up on on WWE's product, myself included. I hadn't been watching WWE regularly for many years. Started watching NXT through Hulu and then really got back. And then that was able to help get me back into watching more of WWE programming. Um, so I think for a lot of fans, NXT is is WWE the way they want it to be. And uh, and it's created a lot, of, a lot of amazing matches and a lot of amazing moments in those 25 takeovers. This takeover definitely had, uh, you know, it's really high moments. And let's begin with the opening match. Well, I really just want to go over this uh, card since it's uh, such a short one. Uh, but man, Matt Riddle defeats Roderick Strong to open the show. I've talked many times about how Riddle versus Strong and Evolve was the match to that made me a believer of the bro, you know, and how that match, you know, just blew me away. This match, while it did not have the same effect as the first one, uh, it was another fantastic showing within these two. Um, why these two have not wrestled more often everywhere in the country, I, I don't know, because I thought it was fantastic. It was great. Um, I loved everything about this match. Uh, of course, I you know I, I'm a big Riddle fan, but regardless, uh, you know, still, uh, I thought it was a great match. This was my match of the night. Uh, f- fantastic outing, of course, with Riddle uh, taking the W. Both guys are so good um, at their their athleticism, their selling, their pacing, that it makes matches, it doesn't feel like a match, it feels like an actual fight, it feels like an actual struggle. Um, you know, even the, even though this match was for no title, for no title contention, it made the match feel big, feel special, feel like it meant something. Um, and... You know, they beat the ever-loving tar out of each other, and it looks like they beat the ever-loving tar out of each other. Um, but both guys are just so good at doing that, and Roddy's been so good at it. And I mean, that's pretty much what Matt Riddle's been doing his whole his whole wrestling career. He takes, you know, I mean, he did the same to Velveteen Dream. He looked, I mean, he 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 looked like he messed Velveteen up in their match. And so when you give it somebody like Roderick who can who can give it back in the same capacity Riddle can. Um, I mean, it was a fantastic match. I, I loved it. Uh, yeah, it was easily my um, my favorite match of the night as well. Um, you know, yet again, TakeOver opens with a banger, be it a singles match or the usual. For a long time, these TakeOvers would open with tag title matches. Um, the shows always start off with a fantastic match, and they get the crowd worked into a frenzy for the rest of the show. 25 TakeOvers, and every last one of them have been fantastic they actually keep getting better and better. I take away from every takeover in this opening match. It's one of those ones where this was a, a like you guys said, a fight. This was like as indie almost as indie can get. I mean, we needed a couple Canadian destroyers, power drivers more, but this fight was crazy, crazy, crazy good. Matt Riddle is a 
is a freak. Um, he he smiles and laughs and has flip-flops on, but when those flip-flops come off, the man goes to work and it is crazy. Roderick Strong, I've I'm a fan. I'm not like a huge, huge fan, but watching these two together um just makes me so happy and so scared at the same time because I want to see what more they can do. And I know that if they get called to the main roster, we see the likes of this match on that main roster. At, at least I don't think we will in Vince McMahon's time. So that kind of makes me sad. But these two tore each other apart. They tore it up. That's how you kick off a pay-per-view. And that's how you set the tone for the night. We don't have like 10 matches and 50 over-the-top rope battles going it's bang bang, and this match bang bang the opener up, and just have us ready to go for the next. Yeah, next up, uh, the ladder match for the NXT Tag Team Titles, and the Street Profits defeat uh, Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan, the um, the Undisputed Era, and the Forgotten Sons uh, to become the new champions. Of course, even uh, Jason Riker got involved in the match. Uh, after a while there, but boy, th this match, you know, was crazy all over place, ladders, uh, you know, I, th I thought it was a really fun uh, match, a little different for, you know, a, the tag team uh, matches, I don't remember the last time I saw a tag team match for the, uh, you know, with ladders, and if it was very recent, then I had terrible memory, but that's part of m my gimmick, so... Yeah, uh, it was really fun, and the Street Profits uh, winning the match, uh, basically to say, hey, thank you for going to Evolve and doing the loops for a while. Here are your bells. Thank you. Good night. The match itself was was crazy, and at times it, it was kind of scary. There was a lot of scary ladder bumps where guys hit the ladder really weird and they, and they toppled and fell. I mean, Bobby Fish ended up injuring his elbow uh, in, in one of those falls. I think the one where Kyle got power bombed into the ladder that he was standing on. And then essentially Kyle got dropped onto him on the way down. Um, but I mean, you could see Kyle O'Reilly's body and just the bruises on his back and his ribs um, develop during the match. But it was just, there were so many like, falls from ladders, falls into ladders that just didn't seem as crisp and as clean that you knew guys were just getting like, like hurt, like bad. And I guess, I mean, I guess we're thankful that guys didn't end up getting hurt worse than they did. But, uh, it was, I mean, it was, it was kind of gross to watch sometimes. Um, I mean, the street profits winning. Yeah, they are. I mean, the, the de facto over babyface tag team, um, in NXT, you know, they've been there a long time. Like you mentioned, they did the evolve and they've been doing the house show loops for what feels like two to three years, I think. Um, so if you're going to give it to them, now's the time. I think the fans were pretty much on the, on the, uh, anybody, but the forgotten sons when, whenever, you know, undisputed era, the, the former red dragon combination, um, or, uh, the, uh, the Brit and brawlers would start going towards the championships. The crowd would get excited, would cheer, but whenever the forgotten sons would start to climb up, it, they would, they would get a, 
resounding amount of booze. So it was kind of anybody but Forgotten Sons and Riker comes down and for some reason like he's kind of like the Terminator. It took like twenty guys and seventeen hits with a ladder and all this crap to just to put him down and get him to leave. Um, not really. Sh- I I still really don't get the Forgotten Sons. I think the I honestly forget about them. Forget their names. Uh, their music is forgettable. Their gimmick is bland. They are forgotten and forgettable, um, which is is part of their gimmick but unfortunately they're supposed to be the standouts so they don't get forgotten um but i just i think that the fans kind of feel the same way i don't think it's like ooh, you're you're bad guys and we like to boo you i really think that the fans just don't give a shit about them um and don't want to see them wrestle because they are just i mean even their finish is like just this weird bland you know what the inverted DDT and the other guy gets on the second rope and jumps and stomps on him like even that move just looks kind of eh, like that's that's their finish oh okay cool like that's just that's just bad and yeah so I don't know how long the streets profits keep him I don't know who lines up as next challengers I assume you know these teams that were in this match are gonna want. Uh, want one-on-one matches for the championship. I don't know how long Bobby Fish is going to be out with his injury, but, you know, when he came out to uh, to celebrate with Cole at the end of the show, his arm was already in a sling, and uh, it's just, I don't know where where the tag team division goes from here, but that becomes a common theme that we've talked about with NXT after call-ups happen. Who's going to step up and where do things go kind of seems uncertain. Um but, you know, for now, the Street Profits stand atop the NXT Tag Division. Street Profits started up. Um, I think you pretty much covered this ladder match. It was a, as they used to say back in the day, it was like a car crash. Um, bodies everywhere. Crazy, wincy moves and spots that I just, like you said, just turn away from the TV. Don't look because... The human body is not meant to bend that way. Um, But I think the Street Profits are getting their due now because they finally kind of come into their own. Um, They've been kind of going around, um, like you said, doing the loops or what have you. And I think that it's finally gelling and people are understanding that these two are brought together and now they're making a tag team and they're kind of really really on hitting on all cylinders and so finally as they are the nxt creations getting the chance to take the ball and run with it so congrats to them um and we'll see what happens next maybe they'll take the tag team titles back to the ball you never know so next up we get the north american championship match the velveteen dream versus tyler breeze Okay, guys. The dream is real. And, you know, Velveteen. I you know I could always say, okay, well, he was carried by uh, Black. He was carried by Riddle. He was carried by Gargano. Um, you know, and here he's uh, in, in a match. Against Tyler Breeze, who man needed 
is something, and being back on NXT has done wonders for him. This match was very good. It was very well done. It had me, uh, you know, captive in, you know, into it the whole entire time. Uh, and I think that, yeah, I think that the, the the dream definitely can be a star if treated right in the in the main roster. Can it happen? I don't know. So part of me feels like, man, for me, I hope that this kid stays on NXT for a long time, uh, if not ever, so that he can continue to thrive because I think he can be another uh, another wrestler lost in the shuffle in the main roster. But on NXT, he's for real. Yeah, I mean, we've talked on the, on the main roster. He's... He's, his chances of succeeding, I think, are very minimal. I think he's just going to get lost in the shuffle. I don't think Vince is going to get it. I don't think the main roster writers are going to get how to do it, and they're going to try to change him and tone him back and take away the things that people find interesting about him. Now, I really, I'm still really not a firm believer in Velveteen. I, I, I don't really like or the gimmick. He's his wrestling doesn't really do a whole lot for me, um, but. You know, with the right opponent, he's able to have interesting matches. Um, it was good to see Tyler, you know, wrestle for more than three minutes. Um, I've been a fan of, of Breeze for since his initial NXT run. Um, I love the character then. I like him now with a bit more, a bit more serious edge. Um, and it's, it was, it was a good match, entertaining. Um, and, you know, Tyler Breeze, I guess, is, is, you know, he cut kind of a quick match after a promo after in the back they put on YouTube and all that, where he says, you know, hey, I'm this isn't just me coming down, man. I'm I'm back here in NXT to to stick around for a while. I want I want what I never got the first time around. That was championship gold in NXT. Um, so if this if we get a much more serious Tyler Black or a little more serious Tyler Breeze, and we get longer matches where he's able to tell the story, the kind of stories in the ring that he can. Um, I am all for it. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I mean, it's breeze is back. Breeze is doing the job. He's putting the kids over. Velveteen doesn't need it necessarily to go over to be over with the fans. But I think this is a way to show the higher ups. Vince, especially how he connects with the crowd and how he looks in the ring out there doing his thing. Both of these guys have that charisma, that flair that connects with the crowd. And as we've unfortunately seen with Breeze, that just does not translate enough on the main roster that um, these he gets his due. So him being back in NXT and perhaps uh, – the dream never leaving NXT might be best for business. Now, of course, the uh, tapings for NXT just happened, so um, we like to stay spoiler-free, so we don't know what's going on. So uh, I'm not sure it's going to be a long-term stay for Breeze, but I hope he definitely does stay a while because, man, the, the way that his run has been since he returned has been great. And, you know, a few other wrestlers could also uh, benefit from it. Uh, they could be lost to the shuffle on the uh, main roster. 
Then, uh, in your coming event, Shayna Baszler defeats Io Shirai by submission uh, to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, another great uh, fight between these two. Um, Io, uh, of course, what else can we say about her? She's uh, one of the best. She's great. And Shayna Baszler continues to be the most dominant uh, pro wrestler uh, in uh on NXT, and you know she's probably one of the best in, in the world, uh, and yeah, I think hey, we could just say this over and over again, but for the the amount of experience she's had, uh, you know the the short term experience she's had, you know, just a few years, uh, she looks like a seasoned vet, and man, she she's gonna do wonders when she moves up to the main roster, uh, and. I, I can't wait. Uh, the opposite of uh, of the dream here for Shayna Baszler because she's she's got she she's got this mar- remarkable star power that actually can get through, and I think that you know Ronda showed that, and that 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 kind of character can get over. And I think that you know Baszler can even more because how good she is. I mean, I, I love Shayna Baszler. I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, she just continues to do outstanding work. Everything she does uh, in NXT is fantastic. Her character, her kind of demeanor, and her deliver, you know, her line, the way she delivers her lines. And like, so if she's on commentary, if she runs down and beats people up, if she's having matches, she is. Fantastic, and there's nobody in NXT um, who can who even comes close. Um, I like the match, you know, it was a good match, but I'm I still just don't really get behind EO. It's just kind of something like I like a lot of wrestlers; they just don't connect with me on an emotional level. Um, and EO, I feel I just can't I just can't connect with her. Like it, I just feel like there's something missing within the package of her before I could really be like a super fan. And, you know, the match was good, and EO, EO kind of flip it out at the end with the more uh, with the more aggressive edge and attacking with the kendo stick and all this was good and interesting and, and hopefully some good development for her character. Um, but yet again, you know, now that Shayna has definitively defeated EO, you know, they this past week's NXT, they said that they were going to do a uh, steel cage match, I guess, to stop weapons usage to stop the outside interference so it's truly one one um i think that will kind of be the the end of it and then if Shayna defeats eo in the cage yet again we come to that question who's left um as Shayna continues to kind of clear out the division and kick people on out you know she beats them up and then they they kind of move on or or out of of nxt yeah, that's going to be interesting because, you know, like you said, the, the, the interference, of course, you know, we had fellow horse women uh, out there. And then, of course, uh, Candice LeRae getting involved. And uh, so that, that brings you to believe maybe Candice could be the next one. Uh, well, I mean, like Candice and maybe Mia Yim with Mia kind of on this past week's NXT getting uh, the one up on, on uh, Bianca Belair to kind of win their their series of three matches. So maybe Mia Yim challenges, um, you know, as somebody who's who's not going to be intimidated, who's not going to be pushed around like a lot of the other members of the roster have been. 
by uh, by Shayna and the Horsewomen. Uh, but it's in you know yet again where what's left what you know as Shayna continues to be dominant and lay waste to everybody um, in the NXT Women's Division. I think we've said it a billion times. Um, these this the Shayna Baszler is unfreaking real. Um, she is great to watch. She's great to to have on the screen. She's great to be a champion. It's just a matter of her counterparts coming up to her level and anybody chasing her to at least make it seem like they'll give her a good fight. Um, this this match was what I expected it to be with the Queen of Spades picking up the win, and that's <laughs> that's what it all boils down to. She is mowing over everybody. And it's believable, it's scary, it's great, it's good, and it should continue. Now, in your main event, Johnny Gargano defends his NXT Championship against Adam Cole. This was as much a WWE Pro Wrestling match as anything. Nothing against that. Uh, I don't know if I would have enjoyed the 32 minutes the way, uh, you know, of course... Uh, the, the the last match win, but man, these guys, you know, did everything to each other, and eventually Adam Cole, the Canadian Destroyer, defeats Johnny Gargano, wins the NXT Championship in thirty two minutes. Uh, a lot of storytelling here between the two. Uh, Johnny Gargano, you know, is this it for him? Is this his swan song? Is he moving on to uh, main event pastures? Um, yeah, what do you think about this match, and uh, and what's up with the uh, these guys going forward? It was a good match, but yet again, it it like their previous matches, it kind of lost me at times. Um, but you know, it it held my interest for the most part. Uh, Cole winning makes sense, you know, the undisputed era, the heel faction. Uh, you know, for for Cole to finally get that championship and. And now the undisputed era can look to possibly, you know, continue as they said at the beginning of the year, 2019, they were going to be, I think, dripping in gold or something was the term they used. Uh, you know, as the undisputed era would will attempt to continue to collect gold in NXT. Um, I I like Cole. I like him as a champion. Um, I think he does everything right in the WWE sports entertainment sense of getting you not to like him, making you care about him um, wrestling a match. Uh, the only problem I think that he has in the main roster is his size. I don't think, I don't know if they're going to be willing to push him as a main eventer um, in the capacity that his character really, really thrives in uh, with his size coming in. Um that remains to be seen, and what what remains in NXT for Johnny, I don't really know. He's he's the first you know triple crown champion. He's won every single belt that NXT has to offer. If he goes to the main roster, it's it's funny that you said main event pastures. Um, that could be the pasture that he ends up finding himself at more times than not. Similar to uh, you know our friend Cedric Alexander, who did so well into a five live for so long goes up to the main roster and essentially 
the only time he's seen on television is uh, chasing after truth, or maybe he fights a match on main event. Um, I think he even calls himself on Twitter jokingly the main event champion. Um, so, unfortunately, that could be where Johnny is heading once he leaves NXT. Um, yet again, because of the wild card rule, it doesn't leave a whole lot of time for new people to come in when you're having to when you're having Shane McMahon and Roman on both shows and Sami Zayn on both shows and all three members of the New Day on both shows. The Usos jumping back and forth between shows. Drew McIntyre on both shows. Like it fills the top up so much, there's not room in the middle or the bottom for a whole lot of people. Television time becomes scarce for for mid and undercard guys. Um, which essentially the brand split is supposed to help alleviate that and give more television time to a different array of guys. Uh, but I think Johnny, with the way things are set up with the wild card rule, I think he he will have a difficult time um, getting television time because he's not a short match wrestler. He's a feud wrestler who requires a lot of television time to build the stories and long matches like we saw here. This match going well over 30 minutes. Um, I don't know if Johnny's going to be able to get uh, his his due on uh, the main roster side of things. So I don't know what's, what, what's for Johnny right now. I really don't. Johnny Wrestling is not main card material for the fact that the only time you have a match that long is if it's the best in the world, Shane McMahon doing a promo. Um, like you said, Johnny does long form storytelling. Well, so does Tomasa. And I think, uh, one of the main reasons that they are in NXT is to help a lot of the, uh, kids, as I call them, the talent there learn these valuable in ring skills where you can tell the story um, with your body and just kind of, you know, go over things with them. I, if either one of them gets the main roster, I'd be shocked, but they're not going any place. They're going to continue to, um, show the NXT universe and the audience, just what they're made of and what their struggle looks like, because, you know, they were out here in the Indies for a while. Now they're reaping the benefits of their hard work and enjoying it. It looks like so. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. All right, next up, All Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing. They premiered uh, their first uh, pay-per-view, and here is uh, the results. Adam Page won the 21-man casino battle royal, which, by the way, I will say, I kind of thought they would put him in there and he win, but I didn't say it on my predictions because I predicted who I wanted to win, not what I thought they'd do, but... Just want to put it out there. Uh, Kip Sabian defeats Sammy Guevara. So-called Uncensored defeated the Stronghearts. Uh, 
Britt Baker defeated Nala Rose, Kylie Ray, and surprise appearance, Awesome Kong uh, there. Uh, best friends defeated Angelico and Jack Evans. I didn't watch that match because screw Chuck Taylor. Hikaru Shida, Ryo, and uh, Ryo Mizunami defeated Aja Kong, Yuka Sasaki, Takazaki, Emi Sakura, and Emi Sakura. Cody Rhodes defeated Dustin Rhodes. The Young Bucks defeated Lucha Brothers to retain the AAA World Tag Team Championships. And Chris Jericho defeated Kenny Omega. And it will be uh, at all out that Chris Jericho will face Adam Page for the inaugural AEW World Championship. All right. Let's talk about some of the highlights. We're not going to talk about everything. But some of the things here. Uh, how were the women represented to you guys, in your opinion, in this in the show? I think that uh, the four way was was pretty good. I thought that the six uh, women tag was much better, although it was a little screwy there with the with the, with the false uh, pin there. Uh, with the, the ring man uh, there uh, ringing the bell too soon. But, yeah, uh, how'd you guys like how they were represented? I mean, I thought the women were showcased well. You know, the Joshi match, of course, was going to tear it up. I mean, the Joshi style is 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 very, very fast-paced, is extremely hard-hitting. Um, you know, so you get some people in there, although some of them may be young. They've worked with each other uh, enough times. Uh, to go in there and go hard, and of course, it's always fantastic to see Aja Kong go in there and uh, and break some bitches. Um, the four way I thought was fun. The addition of Awesome Kong was outstanding. Um, if that means that she is signed and and we will see a lot more of her with them, I am one hundred percent all for it. Um, but you know, Britt Baker getting the win kind of made sense there. Um, as she's kind of the you know one of the the big names that they brought in first as far as the women's division with who they announced. Um, Britt does so well of carrying herself like a star of making, um, you know, making herself feel like like a top player. Um, that I think it definitely made sense to give her the win in this match. But yet again, this is only their first, and you know they they have more shows coming up. Very you know some of them are very soon. Uh, you know, they're talking about the television deal starting possibly in the fall. Uh, so a lot of things could change and a lot of things could happen. But, I, you know, the women's matches, I, I definitely thought were, were really well done. The, the whole concept is to kind of showcase to be different. And I think they, they put forth uh, a, a good effort putting their, their women in there and letting them kind of go at it. Um, everybody looks different. Nobody's quite the same. Um they're all talented, talented competitors. Um, so as this division grows, which I'm sure it will, because right now it's only a handful of competitors, it'll get better because they have one of the best out there in Kylie Ray um, competing for them. And Britt Baker, I'm not a huge fan, but she is not damn bad. 
Um, Nyla Rose is, you know, a, a freaking force to be reckoned with. So we're just going to watch and see these ladies as they get more comfortable. They had plenty of time to do their thing. And uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing where they go when they finally get to TV. And that's when it'll determine how the women are portrayed, because you're going to need longer than just a pay-per-view to kind of see what happens with this women's division. All right, so now let's go ahead and talk about the top billing matches here uh, that we had. First, Cody Rhodes for Dustin Rhodes put on a fantastic match, my match of the night. These two guys, yeah, just put it all out there. They wanted to make a statement, they, and whatever the statement was, they did it. They blew it out of the water, uh, and it, it was fantastic. It was an emotional match, and at the end... Um, you know, making it official that they, they're going to be teaming up against the Young Bucks. Uh, I thought that was great. Uh, but yeah, fa- fantastic match all all around. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved everything about it. You know, I'm not the biggest, you know, Cody fan sometimes. Uh, but in this time, man, they 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 they, they made me a fan, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean Cody. You know he's his matches don't always deliver on a a big match type feel. He's great at promotion and building up to them, but the matches themselves don't always don't always get that same kind of feel. But this one against you know his against his brother with with good time, and they made it a very emotional story. Um, you know, dust dusted bleeding like a. Like Dusty back in '84 was uh, was amazing. Uh, added extra drama to the match. Um, you know, I mean, mo- most people are considering it a, a match of the year candidate. Um, and I, I, you know, I mean, realistically, you'd be hard pressed to find too many others that that were able to connect with the fans on such an emotional level. Um, it was just outstanding. Out, you know. Amazingly well done. Uh, both guys did everything they could to to make magic. Uh, these two brothers wanted this match. They wanted it in the WWE, and the WWE said no. Vince uh, said no. So they went out there, and they took that no, and they owned every aspect of the match. They did things that they wanted to do, things that they never would have been allowed to do in a WWE ring and made magic. They made a connection with fans. They made a connection with critics. They made a connection. I I had someone who wasn't, who's not like a huge wrestling fan watch the match and they were just like blown away by it. So uh, this was definitely, definitely for me, match of the night. It could definitely be a match of the year contender just from, Every piece of uh, every blood, all the sweat, all the tears, all the emotions, uh, along with the fantastic action that they brought, um, the storytelling in the ring, that was just phenomenal. The uh, Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers went out and put out another great match, of course, uh, you know, to make all the Flippy fans happy, and of course, uh, Dave Meltzer, uh, big. Although you know this would get a lot more stars if it happened in Japan. 
Yeah, if it happened in the Tokyo Dome, it would have gotten twice as many stars, yeah. But yeah, it, it was a really fun match nonetheless. Uh, you know, we, we've seen these two teams wrestle each other a few times now, and uh, we expected nothing less than, than what they put out as performers, of course. This is going to continue to keep on going. Of course, they uh, this weekend, actually, uh, the Young Bucks and uh, the Lucha Brothers will be wrestling at... Uh, Triple A summer pay per view uh, for these Triple A tag team titles. Uh, we'll be surprised if uh, by the time people are listening to this, uh, we have new champions. And in your main event, though, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, uh, Chris Jericho, uh, man, heavy load for Kenny Omega to carry, uh, but it was a pretty good match in the end. Uh, Kenny Omega is uh, unsuccessful in uh, defeating Chris Jericho once again. Jericho is now going to be wrestling for the AEW World Championship. But the big part of this is the post-match. Because after this match, to the surprise of everyone, John Moxley comes out, attacks everybody, including the referee, uh, of course, him and uh, Kenny Omega go fighting all over the arena, almost. Uh, and, yeah, it was fun way to end the night. Uh, the match was not as great, but, man, just the excitement, the surprise of John Moxley, uh, and what, you know, how it left fans uh, it's it, there's a lot to say about that, but man, what a way for uh, AEW to uh say goodnight on their first ever pay per view. I mean, you can say people wanted it to happen, but I don't think anybody actually expected it to happen in the manner it did. Um, Moxley has is you know attacking everybody, uh, you know, attacking everybody, but singling out Kenny Omega seemingly. Um, I think it has since been announced that they will fight at uh, All In, uh, the Omega versus Moxley. Um, and just wild, wild moment. I mean, you could see it on the faces of the fans. You could see it online as people's reactions. Uh, just going ballistic for Moxley coming in and, and that he will be a part of, of this organization. Um, you know, this... His appearance here coming only a few days before he was announced that he would be competing in New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. So, um, although he is signed, you know, with all elite wrestling, uh, I guess he is free to work New Japan similar to how Chris Jericho is, as both Jericho and Moxley ended up working um, in New Japan at the Dominion show. Uh, and the best and Moxley fought at the best of super juniors final um, only you know a couple a week and a half after after uh, double or nothing uh, but you know I all new Japan has come out and said that there is no working relationship with all elite wrestling these are independent agreements so I guess that um, the all elite contracts allow you to work internationally you know, that also allows the Bucks to go work in AAA, that also, you know, etc. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, this is this is the the version 
of Moxley that people had wanted to see for so long, that people felt he was just kind of being held down in WWE as Dean Ambrose. He wasn't really given the creative freedom he wanted. He wasn't really able to take his character and portray him the way that he wanted. Um, so now he has that creative freedom and he can be similar to Moxley the way he was prior to entering the WWE system, but, you know, more seasoned, more, uh, you know, I mean, he, he's in a hell of a lot better shape than he was then. Um, but also just a little bit smarter, a little bit better at understanding how to work things, especially on such a large stage. Um, you know, I mean, he's fought at WrestleMania multiple times, so he knows how to, how to work in big crowds and high pressure atmospheres. Um, so the journey of John Moxley is really just beginning, um, in new Japan and in all elite wrestling. And, um, it seemed he may be showing interest in other independent promotions throughout the country, throughout the United States as well. So we'll see. Um, but an amazing moment to end the night after several, several amazing matches, um, shows that, you know, all elite can be the alternative that so many people have been wanting and clamoring for, who've just kind of been, been getting frustrated with WWE for, for any number of reasons, but, but now people have a, you know, a wrestling promotion that they feel they can call their own. Um, that's going to be on a big stage. That's going to have a lot of exposure and a lot of money behind it. Um, I think this was a, a fantastic show overall. And the, I mean, you can see the fans in attendance all night long, just going crazy for everything. So they have the audience, um, and it's, you know, I mean, I look forward to seeing what what they can do as more shows come together, and especially as TV comes. You know, how do they structure their their television shows? How do they structure their their longer form storylines and stuff? All good questions. Uh, but the the there was no doubt that once Moxley hit all elite wrestling, that the world was turned upside down. Um, that. The show already had enough buzz, so to speak. You had this wonderful pay-per-view, this wonderful event where, you know, Cody the Bucks, they all, you know, chipped in and got this con guy in and they were doing it their way and blah, 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 blah. We all know the story. What we did not know for 100% sure was that Moxley would appear. And when he did, that right there kind of set the wrestling world on its ear. Because now here we have someone who who left the WWE and the WWE talked about his leaving, um, you know, kind of just weird saying, you know, about his contract being up and X, Y, Z. I didn't think that he would be able to compete, but lo and behold, he, he runs into the MGM grand and lays out the entire, everybody in the ring and starts feuding with, you know, the likes of Chris Jericho again. And of course, Omega will be, probably first on his hit list, but the fact of the matter is we're seeing a unleashed, uh, unrestricted John Moxley out in the world and his birthplace, so to speak, his first um, go back or come back into the, the indie world was at all uh, this, you know, this, this show. And that is going to be you know, something people are going to remember, especially people in attendance, people who paid for the event, they're going to remember and we're going to get to watch and see the destruction and mayhem that he causes, not just on this side of the ocean, but 
definitely on the other side of the ocean as he is going um, going into New Japan with you know a hit list in mind and taking taking care of the likes of Juice Robinson. So um, we're we're blessed to be in the time of Moxley here in 2019 and to see the the unscripted violence that he brings. I am one of the many million looking forward to it. So now let's move over to New Japan Pro Wrestling and and switch over to that because yes. John Moxley, big impact at AEW, but quite an impact on uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, at the Super Juniors Finals, he ended up being the mystery opponent. Uh, they answered the challenge for Juice Robinson and defeated Juice Robinson to become the IWGP United States Champion. So not only does he uh, make a big uh, debut at the Super Juniors Finals, but he wins a championship on his first night. Of course, that would, uh, you know, that that when he went on to wrestle Shotai Umino at Dominion, defeating him in less than four minutes. But John Moxley looked great. Now this was his first match, so even though he made his first appearance at AEW, this was his first official match. Uh, with uh, new wrestling tights. Uh, yeah, he looked great. He looked like he fit uh, in that uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling mold. I'm not... I don't know how to describe it, but I think you guys could agree um, about that. But, yeah, so... And now he's saying he wants to be in the G1 Climax. It would be fantastic. I want to see that. Um, also, the Super J... Uh, you know, we had Will Ospreay uh, defeating Shingo Takagi uh, to get the uh, the rights to challenge for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. And he did so at Dominion against Dragon Lee. Uh, and he defeated Dragon Lee to become the new champion. Uh, get two great matches for Ospreay. Ospreay, I think, has been uh, uh, killing it this year. Uh, uh, he's been had some fantastic matches all over the world, uh, but here back to back at the Super J Finals, first against uh, Shingo, and, and then following with Dragon Lee. Kind of bummed that Dragon Lee didn't retain the belt, and we kind of wish he had held it until uh, you know Takahashi came back, but that's not the case. Uh, but fantastic match between the two of them as well, uh, and. And going over to Dominion, uh, Ishii defeated Taishi to win the Never Openweight Championship. So now uh, Tomohiro Ishii has a championship gold around his waist. Universal Destiny, of course, retained their uh, IWGP Tag Team Championships. Uh, Naito defeated Ibushi uh, for the Intercontinental Championship. So we have a new champion in Naito. Uh, these two... Uh, man, that you know they tried to up their first match uh, that they had earlier this year with this one, and you know we talk about ugly matches where you know people could have gotten hurt. Dude, this one was scary uh, at points, you know, especially when they were uh, out in the apron. Uh, glad no one got uh, hurt. And then in your main event, Okada defeated Chris Jericho. 
uh, to uh, retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Uh, and uh, Okada looking fantastic in his current reign. Uh, you know, he, I mean, he's just one of the best in the world. He continues to prove it uh, time and time again. Uh, and, you know, Jericho Grace helps me because he seems to be getting all these uh, big matches, main event matches all over the world. So, uh, yeah, to me, New Japan uh, is kicking off the summer in a fantastic way. The Super Juniors, uh, all the whole tournament was great. Really fun to watch. The finals, of course, Blood of the Water. Dominion, I think, a great way to set things up for the rest of the year. For the summer now, the G1 Climax. Who's going to be the new challenger for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at uh, the Super Dome at Wrestle Kingdom? That'll be will be fun in, in uh, less than two months. New Japan's doing a lot of great stuff, and and uh, the best the Super Juniors tournament was was produced a lot of great matches. Shingo's run tearing through his entire block, going undefeated. Um, was was fantastic. Will Ospreay, uh, yet again, just like I've never been the biggest Will Ospreay fan, but like you, this past year, um, I've just become he's he's winning me over, and I'm I'm liking him a lot more um, since he's added on some of the muscle mass. He's he's changed up his style a little bit. He's pacing himself a little better. You know, he's taking on heavyweights and in you know where he was never openweight champion for a few months there. Um, and in the New Japan Cup, so Will Ospreay just doing doing some of the best stuff he's ever done. Um, you know, he made the announcement that he that with New Japan's help, he is officially moving to Japan to be there for them full time instead of dividing his time between the UK and Japan. Um, you know, I mean, he's he's pretty much he said he wants to be the ace of the junior division. He wants to be the guy to carry the junior division on his back and show that you know maybe someday the juniors could headline Wrestle Kingdom. You could have a, a junior title match as the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I mean, Will Ospreay put two outstanding matches, you know, just a few days from each other against Shingo being the first guy to pin Shingo in New Japan. Shingo debuted in New Japan uh, in November and had yet to be defeated. Uh, Ospreay is the first guy to do that, but had to unleash a killer combination of moves in order to do such, um, including the top rope Os cutter, and the Stormbreaker uh, then goes on to defeat Dragon Lee in another fantastic match. You know, I mean, John Moxley comes in to to Dominion, and I agree with you. He's or at the best of Super Juniors, and I agree with you. He looked like he fit. He looked like he was there, and just melded so well into that. Um, the crowd loves Juice Robinson so much, and and so. To have somebody come in and and beat Juice down like that so hard uh, definitely established and earned respect with with the crowd there as they they wanted to see Mox because he's an international star former WWE etc. But uh, I think he earned the respect in in through the in ring as well, um, winning the the championship his first night and then uh, seemingly want you know he he defeated the Young Lion Show to Umino. Uh, at Dominion and seemingly kind of decides he wants to take uh, Shota as his personal young lion. Um, So he may be the one to help kind of groom the young lion into, uh, into a, 
into a full-time competitor there. Be interesting to see where that goes. But um, but yeah, Moxley looked fantastic. Okada looked great against Chris Jericho. Um, the the post-match stuff I think was some of the bigger bigger to come out of there with Jericho, you know, getting pinned by Okada out of a Hurricane Rana. So Jericho continues the attack, swinging a chair at Okada's head um, and trying to put him through a table before Tanahashi, who was sitting at ringside doing commentary from the Japanese announced team, uh, comes to the rescue. Uh, and so it seems that our next feud for Chris Jericho in New Japan will be Hiroshi Tanahashi, um, the ace uh, against Chris Jericho, uh, you know, could be a lot of fun. But you talk about the going into the into the summer. You have the G one. Um, it was announced that the Super J Cup will be returning this year, where uh, multiple companies will be sending representatives, um, and and Liger will be holding and hosting and putting the whole thing together. So that will be coming back as well. But we saw three people who who staked their claim and wanted to be in the G1. The first, after John Moxley beat Shota Umino, he said, I want in to the G1 Classic, uh, or the G1. Um, then you had uh, the date returning, or not, you know, returning was Katsuyora Shibata coming out. And, and, you know, coming out, everybody was excited to see him. He introduces Kenta. So Kenta is in. New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, and has announced that he wants to be in the G1. Uh, I mean, I I am so excited about that. I've been a Kenta fan for a long, long time. Felt his his WWE run just never really, really materialized into what he wanted to, into what it could have been. Um, but I think New Japan could be a great home for him. Uh, Really excited to see what he can do. Um, but so he wants in the G1. Moxley wants in the G1. Tanahashi wants in the G1. Uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a big tournament. It's going to be a big field for the first time ever. The G1 will have shows outside of Japan with, with their show in Dallas um, on July 6th. That will be a the the G one. Uh, I think we have a few days before uh, the official competitors of the G one are announced. Um, but as we've seen with tournaments this year, is they're they're getting bigger and bigger. Um, the New Japan Cup was the biggest that they've had. They included Young Lions. They included Juniors, which they've never done before. Um, the best Super Juniors had. 10 men in each block instead of in the past it's had eight guys in each block so it is bigger more shows more matches um i expect the g1 to be the same i expect this to be the largest field we've seen i expect there to be a whole lot of shows and a whole lot of matches as uh as new japan continues to grow and thrive with uh with just the influx you know you see so many people wanting to be a part of it um and and wanting to compete uh it's I'm just I am all for it and just loving every minute. Yeah, I did forget to mention that Kenta being in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling is huge. Uh, coming out as a huge star uh, that they, they, he got a great reaction. So that's going to be exciting uh, to see who all gets uh, in the G1 and 
Yeah, like you said, and he probably the biggest uh, lineup ever. Uh, great time to be a fan it, right now. So much product out there, whether it's WWE, AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, SMLW's Ring of Honor, this Impact. Yes, there's still Impact. You can find it somewhere. Uh, and so much more in the independence. A lot of great wrestling coming your way. And we'll be here talking about it. Uh, so that's it for tonight. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to uh, subscribe to the FW Radio Network on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podbean, and Google Play. Check us out on the Twitter machine at FOW Radio. Danny's on Twitter at Danny F. Danger. Mika's on Twitter at Mika Villas. I'm on Twitter at YellowmanPA. And until next time, keep watching wrestling. Thank you.